going to need it today. We're going to tackle a very, very difficult passage. And so you want to, you want to get this one today because you want to go back and, and do some study for yourself a little later on. Um, it's a passage that uh, very few people um, uh, discuss and teach on because it seems weird. It's about a crook in the Bible, a thief, uh, a con artist in the Bible, and then, and then the master blesses the con artist. So a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but you know, whenever we have a difficult passage, I love to dive in and see what it says. So if you're joining us from Prosper, uh, welcome, thanks for being here, Garland, Louisville, Dallas, our global community, all of you, thank you so much. It is a joy. And then if you're joining us from Plano, what a joy it is to see uh, you in the house on today. Now, we're going to read a passage of scripture, um, but before I read it, I'm going to give you my ultimate point, so you know the point, so you have to leave early. You got the main point, okay? That's what we're going to do, all right? Um, have you ever, have you ever told your kids, um, I want you to do what I say? I want you to do, just do what I say. Do it. No feedback. Just do what I say. If you've ever done that, just wave your hand. Just wave your hand. Just wave your hand. Everybody's hand is up. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there comes a point in the life of that kid where it should no longer be do what I say. It should be, you'd be like, I know. No, you don't. It should be, it should be, I want you to see what I see. You don't get it, do you? All right, hold on, hold on, let's try it again. If all you keep saying is, do what I say, it's because you can see what they can't see. That's why you're telling them, I need you to do what I say because you can see what I see. So if you only do that, then they will remain a baby in your house and they always need you to tell them what to do and what not to do. What you need to be able to do is to be able to teach them how to see what you see so that you don't have to say, do what I say, because they can see what you see. My God, my God, it's a great principle. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all this story is about today. God says, if you will do, if you, will, if you could see what I see, it would be easy for you to do what I say. The reason it's hard for you to do what I say is because you don't have my perspective on your situation. But the moment you get my perspective, you don't have to fight with me anymore about doing what I say because you will see what I see. Ah, let me help somebody else out. Um, if you could see you as God sees you, then you wouldn't do some of the foolishness things, some of the foolish things that you're doing. The only reason you're doing it is because you can't see what God sees about you. Ah, uh, if, if you could see the future like God can see the future, then maybe you will obey him in the present because he knows what's coming around the corner. The only reason you fight him is because you cannot see what he sees. My God, it's a great principle in all of the Bible. The only reason he has to give you a commandment is because he can see stuff that you can't see. 
now and in the future. The only reason he wants to teach you something is because he says, if you just see it my way, you would, you would crave doing it the way I said you should do it because you will see the benefit of it. And the problem is, oftentimes, the only reason we act right is because of pain. So God has to show us some pain or let us feel some pain for us to do what's right. So because when he said, I want you to do what I say, you'll be like, that's optional. That's an elective. I can choose or not choose to take it. But once you're in the middle of the test and the pain shows up, all of a sudden, you're standing erect and you're circumspect. And you say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Whatever you need, Lord. Why does it have to come from pain and not precept? Oh, I'm going somewhere with this passage. It's a tough passage, but I got to set it up so you get it. So here's all he's trying to say to us today. If you can see the things I see, you will, you will crave doing what I've asked you to do. Now, in light of that, before you stand and read the word, some of you thought we weren't going to stand. We are. Uh, before you stand, um, let me set it up for you. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. Uh, it's a shrewd manager. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crook. And, and, and the master is going to celebrate the crook. And most theologians don't like it because it seems like God is rewarding something negative. But that's because you just, you don't put yourself in the passage. If you put yourself in the passage and don't bring your 2,000 year mindset to the passage, then it would make sense. But before you do it, I got to set you up. So, so in chapter 15, Jesus says, hey, Pharisees, if you could see what I see, you would treat the people you're treating differently. So Luke chapter 15, you know, it is the prodigal son. So Luke chapter 15, there's a lost sheep, then there's a lost coin, and then there's a lost son. And he says, if you could see sinners the way I see sinners, then you wouldn't look down on them and treat them the way you treat them. Pharisees, religious leaders, church folk. If you could see sinners when they come in here and they, and they smell funny because they've been drinking all night. You wouldn't look down on them and say, what are they doing in our church? No, you would leave the 99 and go after the one. Ah, if they come in there and they're high on weed, <laughs> and, and they sit beside you, you wouldn't say, oh, 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 I don't want to get on me. <laughs> but you would see the fact that they show up in church as a sign that they're in desperate need for Jesus. Ah, Jesus says, Pharisees, religious folk, folk who love to dress up and go to church and sing songs of glory. He says, when they show up in church and don't look like you, don't smell like you, don't think like you, do you not dare look at them and say, they don't belong here like the Pharisees did. What you ought to do instead is you ought to start praying and say, God, speak to them today, God. Will you do a work in their hearts today, God? I know what they're looking for. They're looking for you, Jesus. Will you, will you pull their hearts toward yourself? That's what you should say. But that's when he's talking about sinners. And then he turned to chapter 16. And just like you, you'd be like, yeah, pastor, we're talking about sinners. We need to love the sinners. And then they heard verse 1. Please stand. 
Everybody stand, please. Luke chapter 16, <laughs> verse number one. And, and they, so after they heard that, they start walking away, everybody. They start walking. The Pharisees, the scribes, they start walking away. And then Jesus said one thing. Here we go. Let's go to the text now. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Now, he wasn't even talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to his disciples, y'all. That's who he's talking about. But the Pharisees heard one word and they ran back. Jesus started raising his voice a little louder. Here's what he said. Now, now he was also saying to his disciples, that's who he talked to. He turned toward the disciples, and then, y'all, he said the bad word. He says, there was a, there it is. They'd be walking away. Okay, I can't be bothered with him and this lost sheep and this lost coin and this lost son. Talking about somebody squandered the money and then the father welcomed them back. They can't be bothered. So they walked away. And then they said, then Jesus said, there was a rich man. And then, and then all of Collin County and Denton County said, oh yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. What you need, Jesus? What you need? Ah, who had a manager. And his manager was reported to him as his. Okay, you're not everybody not reading. I need everybody to read because you're in this text today. You are in this text today. That's why you need to learn it. Watch it now. He says, start it over with me. There was a. Who had a. And his manager was reported to him as. In case you don't know, God is the rich man. You are the manager. And somebody has reported to him. Come on now. Go ahead. Come on now. That you're spending his money without talking to him about it. It has been reported to God that you're driving his tithe. Lock the doors of the church. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's old school. We don't do that. We don't do that. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, uh, don't you love the Bible? It just makes so much sense. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, and you get, you get to play a little bit with it. You know what I mean? So this is, this is God. This is me and you. And then somebody done told God. That we're not managing his possessions well. The problem is you wondering who told. <laughs> you be like, who, who told Jesus? <laughs> this text is amazing. Let's go one more verse. That's all you can take. One more. One more, one more, one more, one more. Watch it now. And he called him and said to him, that is he called you. And said to you, what is this I hear about you? Now he says, can you give me an account? Let me see your bank account. Let me see where you put the money. My money, not yours. 
Let me see how you have been managing it. I haven't heard from you, so you don't need me because you haven't asked me. You went to the mall yesterday, sorry, you went to, to Amazon yesterday, and you didn't ask me before you spent it, even though it's mine. I've been trying to get some people in front of you for you to bless them. I gave it to you to bless them. You have walked right past them. So what I want to know is, it's time for accounting. Ah, you can only handle that. Sit down. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Now, now the reason why most people miss this is because they get hung up on the shrewd manager and how he got his money. That's not the point of Jesus. It's not. There's a much bigger point that everybody in this house, in all our houses, and the Pharisees miss that I don't want you to miss. So in order to know that, go to your sermon notes now, and I want you to see what happens in Luke chapter 15. What's the point of Luke chapter 15? In Luke chapter 15, there was a father in Luke chapter 15, and there was a son in Luke chapter 15, and then laid them all out, and then the son, you will remember, squandered his inheritance. He says, Dad, I don't want to be here anymore. You've done good toward me. Now I want to take my own money, and I want to, score. I want to go somewhere and live my life. You did your thing, Dad. Now I don't need you anymore. I'm good. So leave me alone, Dad, and let me go off to another land and let me live the way I think I should live. Then there was broken trust. Why? Because Dad said, okay, son, go. The son squandered it all, started living with pigs, and now he's in a situation where he's now begging the father to come back, but not as a son, but as a servant. What's the point of the prodigal son? The point is that you have a heavenly father that is so merciful that on your worst day, his arms are still open and his arms are wide open. And he says, you come on in here, son, because no matter what you do, you can't remove yourself from being my son. The point of the passage is you have a good father on your best day and you got a good father on your worst day because his hands are always wide open. That's the point of the passage in here, one of the main ones in Luke chapter 15. Well, now let's go to Luke chapter 16. Don't miss this. Right after chapter 15 comes chapter 16. What do you have? You have a master. And the master, the owner of the business owner who owns it all, now has a manager. And this manager is now wasteful and is cheating. So now you have broken trust. Now you have problems and uncertainty. But what does the master do? Instead of saying you're fired right there like we're doing corporate today, when they leave, when they fire you, they send a popo with you to walk with you to go get your stuff. And if you even touch the people's computer, it ain't yours. If you even touch the people's pencils or their paper, they taking it back from you because you can only take what you brought in. What does this, this master do? What does the business owner do? When he sees the shrewdness, he doesn't act with pouncing, 
but he applauds him. And he says, I wish the people of the light could live like you are living. What does he do? One, he is gracious, just like the father. And the second time, he overlooks the foolishness and applauds the effort that he did to take care of his future. What do you have in this passage? A gracious master as well. Now, please note, in this passage, the only person that's disappointed, the only person that's sad is the Pharisees. The only person that's sad in this is you. Because as far as your life is concerned, everything should be fear. And because it's not fear, you think, well, he shouldn't be applauded. Let me tell you something. Let me remind you of something. The only reason you want fear is when it has to deal with somebody else. You don't like fear, excuse me. It's when it has to do with somebody else. Because ain't nothing fear about God loving you. You didn't want to have nothing to do with God. And he still came after you. You actually said, God, get out of my life. And he still came running after you. So the only person in this room that likes when things are fair is when, is when you are interacting with somebody else. But when it comes from God to you, you want to make sure that God, it don't have to be fair with me because I need lots of grace. Watch the text now. Watch the text now. So what's he saying? He's saying the, the hero in the story is the father in chapter 15. And the hero in this story is the master because of his grace in the midst of atrocities. Um, you need to understand when this guy gives him 50% off, don't miss this part of the story. When he says you owe me 100 um, bushels of wheat or whatever, he says, he says take, take 20% off and give me 80, or take 50% off when it's oil and give me, give me 50 when you owe me 100. That's three to five years wages. So he just cut off two and a half years of this dude's paying back to the master. You think, you think that debtor is not happy? He's having a party and he's telling everybody else, hey, babe, guess what? We can go to Paris. Why? Because we just saved a year and a half worth of interest. You think he's happy? Of course he is. You think the master is, you think the master is happy? Guess what? Everybody likes the master now because the manager is representing the master. So now the master has a good reputation and a good name because everybody that he's breaking these deals off with now loves the master. The master is happy. The manager has a future job. All the debtors are now happy because their bills got cut. Everybody in the story is happy except the Pharisees and except me and you. Huh. What's Jesus trying to do here? He's trying to say, you're going to be silent on this one. If you see money the way I see money, then you wouldn't mind doing what I said you should do with your money. The only reason why, you don't like it anymore, huh? When I was talking about your kids, you're like, yes! And I'm talking about everything, yes! But when I'm talking about your money. <laughs> Here's what Jesus says. If you could just see it the way I see it, then you would not mind doing everything I've told you to do. Now, here's why. He's going to show you. 
He's really going to show you in this passage. It's a profound passage. So go to your notes, go to your notes, go to your notes. You should fill out those first two. And then here's the movement in the text. You have dishonest action, then you have deliberate action, then you have devoted actions, and then you have some detestable actions. Number one, you have dishonest actions, then you have, there's going to be some deliberate actions. We're going to talk about that next. Then you're going to see devoted actions, and then lastly, you're going to see the detestable actions by the Pharisees. It's a beautiful movement that you're going to see. Let's now go to the text, and let's read it through so you can see what he's trying to suggest. Come on, let's go to the text now, and let's bring up verse number, verse number, now go to verse number three, verse number three. Verse three says this, verse three says, the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? What does that mean? Pain has now showed up. Hmm. Pain has now showed up. Pain, 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 pain. Here's what's happening, fam. What's happening is this man is living in now. Now, when everything is okay, he doesn't care. He's squandering, he's cheating, he's doing it as if it's his own money and not representing the owner because he's just living in now. When the owner shows up and says, here's what I want you to do. Oh, I got some money right here. Praise the Lord. I got some dollars. So now, these are all $100 bills. Praise the Lord. I have more $100 bills than you. Praise the Lord. Because these are fake $100. Okay, anyways. Um, here's what he's doing. When there's not a care in his world, except about his own life, then he doesn't matter what he does with it. Does not matter. He's just living for today. That's all he's doing. Living for today. Not a big deal. Afraid. And so he gives more money to someone. That's all he's doing. When pain shows up, he gets fired now. Here's what he does. Later, he thinks is over here. So he thinks, I don't have to worry about later because later is not today. Therefore, I can live any way I want to live. It's my money. You ain't doing nothing about it. I can dollar, 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 dollar. God who? Dollar, 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 dollar. That's how he's living. Then the owner comes and says, mm-mm, 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 nope. Um, let me bring pain to you. And some of, let me bring, allow me if you don't mind, to bring later into today. Now he looks to the future and he sees nothing because the time has been shortened. The opportunity is gone. So now what? I'm not going to manage this anymore. It's been taken away from me. I only have a little bit instead of all of this, instead of all of this. I don't have this anymore. All I have left is this, and I only got a little bit of time to use it. Huh. Parenthetical thoughts. Stop. Let's talk about you for a moment. You think you got a lot of time left. You think, oh, yeah, it's what I'm going to do. Woo! I'm going to get this, then I'm going to get this, and then I'm going to get And you're telling all the things you're going to get. 
And then you think you're so smart. You're like, well, if it's not for me, it's going to be for my kids. And if it's not for them, I'm going to plan for my kids, for my kids' kids, and then my kids' kids' kids. And the stuff you like, they're not going to like. So that you're, going, you're going to leave them a lot of stuff. And they're going to burn it. Because it means nothing to them because what got you where, where you are today is usually pain and hard work. What get them where they want to be is fun and joy. So you have allowed them to enjoy your bunny. So here's what's going to happen. Then one day you hear, one day you hear, I got cancer. One day you hear, I got cancer. So all of a sudden, later has become now. All of a sudden, you hear, well, the stock market finna crash. It's going in that direction anyways. So all of a sudden now, what used to be 25% more in your 401k is now 25% less and still going south. Now you think you're so smart. I'm going to take it out of there and I'm going to put it in an eye bond. I'm getting 9.62%. You'd be like, what is that? Don't worry about it. Um, but what was later is now today. Listen, listen, listen. So now the man has some decisions to make. Because of pain. Why do we wait on pain to teach us this lesson? God says, I want you to see it as I see it, not from your perspective, but from mine. Here's why he compliments the man. He compliments the man because now he has just a little window of opportunity. Now he has money, a little bit of it, and he has opportunity. And now the question is, what you going to do with it? Now the question for you is, you have the same thing. You got time? And you got some money. But the time is not as long as you think it is. So now the question is, what you going to do with the money that you got? Are you going to see from God's perspective? If you see as I see, then you will do what I told, I'm telling you to do. Or you're going to think you're smarter than God. And so I'm going to do whatever the heck I think I need to do with it. Let's see what happens. Come on. Let's see. Let's see. You see why you need to read the Bible? It's so much fun. Come on. Let's go. Here we go. Um, so he says, I am not strong. So I cannot go in them fields and work enough to dig, and I am ashamed, that's some identity issues there, but we're going to leave that alone, to beg. I can't, I can't work, and I can't beg, so then I have to come up with another plan. This is what he compliments him for. Here we go. Next verse. I know what I shall do, he says. So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. In other words, he says, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the little money I have, and what I'm going to do with it is, I'm going to prepare, not for now, but for my future. <clears throat> he says, I got a little money, but when I don't have a job, I need them to help me out. So I'm going to give them some money now so that later on they'll do me a favor. I'm going to scratch their back now so that they can scratch mine later. This is a worldly man. And God, and G, and God is saying, wow, they think so smartly. So he says, since I only have a little bit of time, I'm going to cut their bills 
So instead of giving me, instead of giving me 100, give me 50. Another one, instead of giving me 100, give me 80. And so I'm going to plan for my future. This is where I'm going to be in a little while. I don't have a job. I'm broke. I have nothing. This is where I'm going to be. Therefore, he says, what I want you to do is think about not here. Think about here. And make your investment there for what's going to happen here when you don't have a job. Watch what happens next. I don't know why people don't like talking about this. Watch it. <clears throat> so then he says, then he says, and he summoned one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, <clears throat> excuse me, how much money do you owe my master? Next verse, quickly. And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly. Why quickly? Because this is not over there anymore. It's right here. So I need, you to, I need you to do this quickly before my master comes through them doors and the opportunity is lost. Let me say it another way. <clears throat> I need to do this quickly before Jesus comes back and the opportunity is lost. Take your bill, sit down, and write 50. What was three to four years has now been cut to a year and a half to two years. Next one. <clears throat> and he said to another, how... And how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80, 20% discount, which means this now was about six to eight years to produce this. And he says, I'm going to cut it by 20%. What's he doing? He wants to make sure that in the future, when he's no longer a manager, that these men will welcome him into their house and that these men will say, hey, can you come be a manager at my um, field? Can you come be a distributor at my field? He wants to set himself up because he knows where he's going and he knows what the facts are on the ground and that in a couple days he ain't going to have no more job. Right. Verse 8, here it is. And his master... Praise the unrighteous manager. This is why people get mad. How are you going to praise the man when he's a crook? Because you're missing the point. You're missing the point completely. And he knows how to get under the skin of the Pharisees because they want to keep all their money and they want it to be all about them. And what they care about is when they give, they want everybody to see it so they can bless them because their giving has nothing to do with God. Their giving has everything to do with how much status do I have? What's my standing in the community? That's why you join certain clubs. Ooh. Because you want everybody to say, oh, yeah, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what I do. That's why you drive certain things. Because you are, ooh, look at me. Look at the text. Watch it now. Because he acted, say this word with me. Come on, that's not everybody. Everybody, every campus, say this word with me. The word means he was prudent. The word means he was wise. The word means he made connections that the average person would not have made. What's the connection? He knew that there was a connection between now and later. What does he know? He had a very small window of opportunity and a very little time. And he had to make some decisions right now if he was going to take advantage of the opportunity and the time. 
What did he say? Wise people see that there's a connection between this season and the next. That's what wise people do. They see that there's a connection. Unwise people think, whatever I do today has no bearing on tomorrow. Wise people believe, whatever I do in this season is going to affect this season. Which means I got to pass the test in this season. So when I go to the next season, it's a new set of tests. And those tests prepared me for this one. Unwise people believe, I can fool around over here. And it won't affect me over here. I can fail the test over here. And when I come over here, I'll still be fine. What he's saying is, what Jesus is saying now is, this man right here is so wise. Watch it. Shrewdly. Here we go. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. He said, why do Christians so unwise? They live in just like the rest of the world for the stuff the rest of the world are living for. And the rest of the world don't have no heaven to go to. You got heaven to go to and you're still managing money, not seeing it the way I see it, the way the world does. If you could see what I see, then you would do what I say. He's trying to teach the Pharisees, here's how you handle money. And he's saying, you got a heaven to go to. So since you have a heaven to go to, don't believe the hype of the now. You must be planning for the heaven you go to, not just for the now that you live in. And there's just a small opportunity, a small amount of time that you get to live in. Don't live like the rest of them. You don't handle money the way the rest of them do because I have not taught you that. You got that from somewhere else. You know where you got it from? Warren Buffett. See, you don't like that now because I done messed with you now. You know where you learn that from? Gary V. If you don't know him, don't even look him up. He cuts too much. If you don't, I'm just telling you, you learn it from the rest of the world. But you haven't learned that from God. That's why you think it's your own. And that's why you think it's yours to do whatever you want to do. It's about right now that you're folding your arms again. Because now you'll be like, this man be messing with me again. I told him. Leave me alone. Ain't nobody come to church for no preacher to tell them nothing about my money. <clears throat> Next verse, verse 9. Here's what verse 9 says. <clears throat> and I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of <clears throat> the wealth of you don't even want to say, come on, family. It's okay. We're just having a conversation, okay? Come on. By the way, let me, let me clarify something. My goal is not for you to feel guilty. I don't want anybody to feel guilty. My goal is to let you see the way God sees it. So that when he says to do something, you know it makes sense. That makes sense, everybody? So I'm not, I literally, I don't want nobody to walk out of here and feel guilty. Oh, God, he's going to strike me. He's not going to strike you. No. He's not going to strike you. Something else. <laughs> he ain't gonna say, he ain't gonna say, he ain't gonna say. <laughs> okay, uh, by means of the wealth of the unrighteous, so that when it fails, hey, it's going to fail. Everybody, it's going to fail. They will receive you into the eternal. In other words, he says, if you're a smart, wise, prudent person, you're not just living for you. But you're making investments today in things that help people 
so that when you get to heaven and you're going there if you know Jesus, there are going to be people in the stands thanking you for the investment you made with the unrighteous money that's here on planet earth. I don't expect somebody that don't know Jesus to think like that. I really don't. I don't expect them to think like that. But I expect you who know Jesus to think like that. Because if you can see as he sees, then you'll do what he does and what he tells you to do. It gets better. All right, so, 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 so. Now the story ends. Now we get to the good stuff. Next verse. Here we go. No, go back to verse 9. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Verse 9. First thing, if you look in your notes, you'll see that money is nothing but a tool. Money is not an end in itself. It's a tool. And as a tool, there are three T's in the, in the back part of the page. The first one is tool. Money is nothing but a tool. And all a tool does, it, it, helps, it helps facilitate something more beautiful. That's what a good tool does. It helps make things easier for others. It, make, it helps create something more beautiful. So your job is to use money as a tool to help other people get to heaven. That's all he's saying. That's all a tool is. What you should not do with it is make it all about you. That's right. By the way, no, 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 no. I know where you are. I know where I am. What you shouldn't do with it is make it all about your family. I got to go a little extended. because I mean, Oh, it's not about me. I'm just giving it to the grandkid. <laughs> Number two is a test. Next verse. Watch what he says now. He who is faithful in a very, in a, in a very little thing is faithful also in. So if you're faithful with a little, then you have qualified to get more. And, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous, is, is unrighteous also in much. In other words, he says, if, if all I give you, if all I give you is two of these, and you take both of them as if it's yours and keep them, it means you're unfaithful with little. If I give you a lot more and you too keep all of them for you, then you're saying you're unfaithful with much. That's why generous people are not rich or poor. Generous people are generous people. Because you can be broke and be very generous. And you can be rich and be very generous. As well as you can be rich and be the stingiest person on the planet. And you can be broke and use the excuse every time. I just don't have enough money to do anything. That's also being stingy. God says, it's a heart issue. That's what he's going to say. It's a heart issue. Ah, you're not feeling me. Hey, Pastor Matt, come up here, Pastor Matt. Get me that deal for me. Let me show you one more thing, and then I get out of your way, and I'm done with you today, all right? Watch this one, watch this one, watch this one. The problem with most of us is that God says, be careful, be careful, he says, because money is going to drive you. What does the text say? Where your heart is, there your... So if you want to know... Who is driving you? Then just follow your heart. Because your bank account shows where your heart is. 
Last week I said there are only two kinds of people in the world, people driven by money or people driven by God. All of us are driven by one of them. And depending on the day, <laughs> you got it. So if what you're spending money on is your Gucci purse, somebody, <laughs> a, a woman of God in the front just said, yes, Gucci purse, yes, I receive it, Holy Ghost. Come on, I gotta go. Um, watch it now, watch it now, watch it now, watch it now. You spend money on everything. You spend money on watches. You spend money on, on purses. You spend money on $500 shoes. You, 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 spend, you spend money on... I didn't say anything. I didn't, I'm just patting my head. What, what y'all, I didn't say nothing. You spend money on everything and then justify why you can't give. And then you say stuff like, they don't need my money. As if it was your money. And as if God cares that much about the end product. He cares about your heart and has it released, been released from your heart. So here's what he says. He says, he says, where your heart is, that's where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And so if you want to know if you are money-driven or God-driven, then just follow your heart. And by that I mean, if you don't give, save, live, then you're driven by money. If you live, save, Live, 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 then you're driven by money. If you give God what's left after you take care of your business, you're driven by money. Don't, don't, don't even debate it. Just say, yep, that's me, driven by money. I don't see, I don't see as God sees with regards to money. It's okay. Just admit it. The first sign of health is admitting it's me, Lord. I'm robbing God today. Matt, let's turn the other one around. However, if on the other hand, your heart's not driven by money, but instead it's driven by God, which is what this theta means, it's driven by God, now your decision-making is driven not by what's in it for me, but am I seeing it the way God sees it so I can do what God says? You see, the problem is, it should be driven by God, which means my heart should determine and be driven by the things of God first. So God, you don't have to tell me twice. You say it one time and that's it. I'm not going to try to figure out where it's going to come from and all that. I'm going to trust you because I'm sure you told me to do it. Yes, yes. See, the problem with us is, it's not like my boy Abe. You remember Abram? The problem is, in Collin County, we don't live by faith. We live by money. 
Hey, Abe, um, I want you to take your son. By the way, first of all, Abe, I'm, when you're 140 or so, 120, 140 or so, I'm going to let you have a kid. You would say, mm-mm, no, God, I ain't doing it. I'm too old. Sarah can't make it. Mm-mm, I ain't going to do it. I'm just going to live my life, take me home now. I don't want to do it. I've tried. I've tried in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Ain't no child. Ain't no child coming. So just take me home. I can't stand you. You promised me something. I can't stand you, God, because you're not giving me what I want. This is how Colin Gunner sounds. For real, me and you, we sound just like this. And then he gives you a child, and you be like, oh, God, I love you. Oh, my God. And then he says, now take the child's life. To which you, all of a sudden, become a Bible scholar. God, you said thou shalt not kill. <laughs> God, how can you do that? I mean, the people of God, and they're going to say, he promised anything to take it. What kind of God is that? All of a sudden, you're on God's side for everything. Because you are the beneficiary of it. So now all of a sudden, you're like, God, you don't want me to do that because I'm not breaking the commandment. The people are not going to love you. They're going to say what kind of God I serve. So I'm just going to disobey you because I know that came from the devil. Because you're not living by faith. You're living by what you can see. So then he says, go up that hill. Offer him as a sacrifice. You be like, my boy? You would get 150,000 people to write a petition to God to prove that that wasn't God. Then, when you get there, you're going to say, God, I need to see the miracle now. I need to see it now. I need to see it now. I need to see it now. Right now, right now, right now. I'm not taking this dude's life. God says, that means you're not ready yet because you're not trusting me yet because you're still doing it like it's like the son is yours and not mine. Now, what he should have done is sat down and said, well, this is going to be interesting because he's, he's not one to make a promise and then don't keep it. So since he says, do it, let me go do it, and then let's see what he's going to do, because I get a front row seat. God, do you, God, do you, because I cannot. If the first story, if one of you, you let uh, Sarah got pregnant, that story was crazy, and everybody in the town went wild. What the heck you finna do now? So let me see what you're going to do. But that's not what Colin Cotter would do. Colin Cotter would say, um, God, how much money you need? I'll give you whatever you need, but don't take my son. I'll go to 100 people and borrow $100 million from all of them. I'm fine the money, but don't take my son. Because you're driven by money, not driven by faith. All I'm trying to tell you is, your job is to trust God when he asks you to do something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and move. The first one was a tool. The second one was a test. What's the last one? The last one, the last one. Ah. Next verse. Verse 11. Here we are. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Watch what he's saying. If you're not faithful with the money I give you, then why would I give you more? Watch it. There are two words. True riches and unrighteous wealth. Two different ones. We focus way more on unrighteous wealth and not true riches. Where's true riches found? When you are making an investment, you're not just living for you, but you're making an investment in what's coming when you get to heaven. You're thinking heavenly right when you're on earth. 
Next verse. Here's what he says next. Then he goes and he says, and if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, here is the whole point about how he sees money. If you have not been faithful uh, in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? In other words, if you're not faithful with God's money, why would he ever give you true riches? That's how he sees money. That's not how we see it, but that's how he sees it. And here's, here's his whole point. I started saying it to you already. If you will see it the way he sees it, then you won't have a problem to do what he says you should do. But that means our perspective must be changed. Next verse. Here's what I said to you last week now. Here's the verse. Why is all of that important? Because this is the verse I preached last week. No servant can serve two masters. For either, finish it with me, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here we go. Everybody in the house, you cannot serve God and one has to be in front of the other. One will be a priority. One is a priority. And you need to determine which one you want it to be. And please don't allow pain to be the trigger that forces you. Let's do it by precept, like we're learning tonight, today. So here's, he, now he's going to be, now he's going to get ready to land the plane. And you would think he'd be over, but he doesn't. He now looks at the Pharisees, and look what he says to them. Woo! Next verse, 14 and 15. <laughs> now the Pharisees. Who were? By the way, me and you are the Pharisees in the story. Me and you are the Pharisees. That's why some of you are still mad right now. Can't believe he's saying all this stuff. That's Pharisaic in your orientation. He says, all of us Pharisees, lovers of money, who live in America that has more than every other country. He says, I want you to see money the way I see it. So he'll do what I say. That's what he says. Now the Pharisees who are lovers of money were listening. Listen, listen, listen. To all these things and were. Let's kill him. How dare him mess up our stuff. Anybody thinking like that this morning? <laughs> last verse, last verse, last verse. Here's what he said to them. Ooh. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves. Stop. You come up with every single reason why this doesn't apply to you. You come up with every single reason. You're so smart. You went to all the fanciest schools and you have every reason why you should just do it your way and not God's way. Justify yourselves in the sight of men. Here we go. But God knows your He knows all of our hearts. He knows why we do the things we do. He knows what's driving us. He knows it. Here's what he says. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable to God. Listen, 
listen, listen, and then I'm done because you're getting angrier and angrier. Um, he says, when you do stuff for other people to see, when you wear stuff, when you hang out with certain people because you think that's how you get your notoriety, he says, I, I see what you're trying to do. You don't want to trust me. You think those people can get you higher than I can get you. And you don't believe that if you see it the way I see it and be faithful with a little, with unrighteous wealth, then I will consider it an honor because I can trust you to bless you with more. No one, why am I preaching this? You know I don't preach about money a whole lot. But once every 14 months I do it. And the reason I do it is because it's the chief competitor to God for your heart. The chief one. There's nothing that grabs a hold of your heart more than money. And in light of that, I have a responsibility to teach us about how to handle money and how to see it God's way. So in light of that, don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Blame God, not the preacher. God. Now, I'm done on this one. Ladies and gentlemen, what all we're trying to do with this deal is I'm trying to create in our hearts a habit of generosity, of service, and of love. I'm trying to say this is what the normal believer does every day of their lives. This is what they do. So what I'm trying to do as a church, what our leaders are trying to do as a church, is we're trying to remind you that this is what we're supposed to do every day. And every month of October, we're going to do this big thing where everybody comes together and we're going to bless other people to show you that this is what God expects of you every day of your life. Now tell me, can I get a witness one thing? You got a little bit of time. You got a little bit of opportunity. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? Or go, everybody participates. Everybody, every last one of you, participate. I'm going to make a statement. The Holy Spirit must have just gave me that, so let me make it. You don't have the forty dollars. I want you to give it and just trust God. And if in one week God don't bless you with more than forty, call the church. I'll give it to you. I'll give you your forty dollars back. I just want you to learn to trust Him. If that's what we have to do, we'll give it back. I, you, I know what you're saying. Some of you are saying, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. I, don't, I can't pay my, my notes due tomorrow. Notes due tomorrow. I'm, 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 I'm. Just trust them and give them the phone. And if you can't afford, if, if some, one week, if by Friday, you, God don't bless you, you call that church and tell them, I said, no, you got to prove that you did give. <laughs> I ain't no idiot. I'm Jamaican, okay? I ain't Jamaican. We know what crooks though. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just want you to trust God and watch what he'll do.
100% participation. If everybody does their part, we're fine. There's never been a financial goal, never, that we have not met because of the generosity of these people and those who came before you. We're going to give away five. We're going to give away half a million dollars. We are. We're going to give it away. And by faith, we're going to do it. And you're responsible for your household. Can we, can we make God look good by simply saying, God, we get it. We're going to do our part to watch what God will do when a body of believers are united on one accord. Next week, by the way, lastly, next week, we come to church on Sunday, and then we're going to give you, there's some already out there, a number of opportunities to serve during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So when you come on Sunday, you're going to have a full list of service opportunities, and we're going to serve like crazy next week, starting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We have a big celebration next Sunday here where we're going to show you every single person that we gave money to. We're going to go knock on their door and say, hey, we're from, we're from DFW, we love you, and we just want to be a blessing to you. And you go, we did three of them already. And if we we'll be crying, we give away 25000 a year. It's crazy. It's crazy. But you get to be a blessing so people can welcome you home. Thanks for being an incredible and amazing church that don't walk out when you start talking about money. You make me proud. I know some of you walked out mentally, but it's okay. <laughs> Father, thank you for today. <laughs> God, you've blessed us so much. You really have, and we're grateful for it. Will you help us to see as you see so we can do what you want done? Thank you for every person, the extraordinarily wealthy and those who are hurting deeply right now. Will you provide for those who are in desperate need? Miraculously, I know we bless our hundreds of people every month that needs money, but, but just uniquely and miraculously bless them so they can see that you cannot outgive God. He beats you every time at giving. Give us a spirit of generosity. You already have given most of this church. I pray 100% of us have the spirit of generosity because we serve a generous God that gave us his very best at the ultimate cost so that we can have a relationship with his father. Will you teach us how to do that now we pray and make us joyful givers. Not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, but out of seeing the great mercy of a great God. Thank you. We're ready. We're set. And we're off to generosity. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say.